Welcome to the Hanjan Rancho, the audacious podcast by Hannah Rankin. Welcome to the second episode, you guys. It is the second, but this is the first interview and a momentous one. This is going to give you a little taste of what's to come in this season to follow. And today I've spoken with Lucy Watson, animal rights activist and reality TV star, and also one of my oldest friends. Our conversation ended up going for over an hour and was extremely candid. We discussed Lucy's whole career since school to present day and what the journey was like to incorporate her ethics into her businesses. We also talked about what it was like to stand her ground on TV and then stand her ground with her belief system and her defense of animal rights. Lucy was so open and honest and a joy to converse with. I've no doubt, even if you're not vegan, or interested in animal rights specifically, you'll find this conversation will rev you up and push you forward towards achieving your own goals. Towards the end, she literally gave us an inspirational speech. We even discussed those nasty, sabotaging voices that I found in my head in anticipation of launching the podcast and how to banish them. Get in touch, message me what you think at Ran on Instagram and Twitter. Anyway, enough about me. Let's dive in to our conversation. Okay, we've started. Hi, Luce. Welcome to the Handjack Man Show. I'm so (laughs) excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining me. You are my first ever guest, so it's a very special episode. It's a massive privilege. Oh, thank you. So the premise of the show is to discuss all things audacious, which means anything that you've done to break down barriers or doing something that has kind of been unexpected or even against the norm and I think that that attitude is so important to be able to make change and especially positive change and we could all do with some of that in this world at the moment definitely but before we get going I have to ask you something because given um why we're here I did do some research even though I've known you forever and (laughs) I heard on Jamie Lang's podcast, you say you don't listen to podcasts. You didn't know what a podcast was. I know. But will you listen to mine? I will. <laughs> I, will. I will make time. <laughs> okay, just joking. Um, okay, so I thought I'd give a little context to the listeners about um, the fact that we've been friends since we were 14. We've been, we were at school together from 11. Um yes. And we became friends because we were both skiving sports practice and agreed it would be a much better use of our time to go to the vending machine and read Vogue magazine instead. Yeah, it was the best decision, really. It's really weird because we did actually know each other, but we we hadn't kind of like, for some reason, ever sat down and talked to one another properly. And I feel like that, that us both skiving was the first opportunity that we'd had to actually kind of get to know each other. Yeah, because we had like the same friends, but we were kind of at opposite ends of the of the group. Yes. Like we never really hung out us. No. Until then. But dude, that was 15 years ago. Oh my God. It feels longer, to be honest. 
don't you think? Like how much has happened in that time and yeah, thinking, I'm you not... know, just looking back, it just feels like it feels longer than 15 years, but that is huge. And we've gone through so many different phases side mm. by side. Many. Um, but <laughs> a lot has happened for you, especially. And today we're going to talk about your career, your activism and how you came to focus your energy and your work on saving animals' lives, which is very admirable. Before we get into the meteor questions, I thought I would just check in and see how has lockdown been for you? Um, So lockdown has been fine for me. I, I honestly rarely have days where I feel down about it um obviously if I if I listen to the news too much or if I read too much of the news then I start to feel really sad on like other people's behalfs because I just feel like you know there's so much going on and it's it's um you know whether it's people losing someone or you know suffering themselves or Mm. whether it's um a financial difficulty or whether it's you know they're in a situation where they can't get outside or whatever it is Um, I feel really bad for those people, but I just don't feel like I'm someone that can feel sorry for myself or anything in this kind of situation because I'm just so fortunate to be in, um, you know, a privileged position where I have a nice home, I have access to food, I'm not in a vulnerable position in terms of my health, I have a garden, I have, you know, the most amazing partner and I have my animals and like I really have so much to be grateful for. So if anything, I've felt almost happier then that sounds it's weird made you realize how fortunate yes. you are it's been yeah. it's been it's given me a step back and sort of to, to appreciate everything and be really grateful and I I rarely have days where I feel frustrated with that because then I really quickly just kind of go back into that well look what you have like what why are you, mm-hmm. you know why are you feeling upset right now or, 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 or bored or whatever so yeah. I'm all good. I'm all good. But I don't want to kind of shove that in people's faces. And I just, I'm all I'm saying is I totally respect that people are in much worse positions than me. And yeah. I think it would be wrong to sit here and say that I, I feel terrible and I'm unhappy and all those kind of things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's an amazing opportunity to gain perspective, like on all ends of the spectrum. And for you to be able to sort of, have a moment to pause and really feel grateful for what you do have that's kind of an amazing opportunity yeah definitely and um there's so there's just so much I've taken away from it that I I can really see a silver lining in it personally and um I think that it's allowed me to focus on areas of my work that I was maybe perhaps I had abandoned previously and then Mm. you know it's allowed me to get more creative and even a different way and you know just like even with friends and stuff I feel like I've spent so much more time just having like really long conversations with people and catching up with people and yeah it's just it's been it's been a kind of a break that has has had a lot of positive outcomes for me personally yeah um and I haven't known anyone to suffer with it severely in the sense where they've you know lost their life or anything like that so I've been really fortunate as well with that yeah um I've seen loads of people talking about productivity shame if they're not using this time properly do you feel that pressure or are you quite chill um it's so weird because I am depending on what it is but when it comes to like I guess Instagram which is 
a massive sort of part of my work I I definitely feel like I'd be doing myself an injustice if I don't sort of use this time to create content because that's one of the things I I usually struggle with because I'm usually rushing around and I'm sort of like stressed out trying to find the time to do it so for me it's actually it, it just seems like stupid not to but also I really enjoy it so yeah. it's it's not that I feel the pressure it's more that I I just I really want to do it um and I think I sometimes look at other people and I, I do feel a bit kind of like not competitive but almost like wow how least you are one of the most competitive people it's okay (laughs) I know so maybe I do feel competitive um but (laughs) I look at them and I think wow like how have you done that and it's not a jealousy thing it's honestly like an awe thing of like how have you created this and um how have you thought up this idea or whatever and I get a lot of inspiration from other people and I'm definitely competitive and I like to I'm a perfectionist and I like to try and do the best that I can so um it's not been pressure it's just been like I don't know what the word would be it's been like a kick up the butt yeah making you feel more driven although you're one of the most driven people I know but yes (laughs) um so speaking of drive um looking back at sort of the start of both of our careers we finished school neither of us wanted to go to university because we hated school so much yes um and but you did feel like I did end up going but only because I had so many shit job shit jobs after shit jobs that I was yeah. like okay I don't know what to do yeah um so that's kind of like the path that ended up taking mm-hmm. me to uni but I feel like we were quite similar in that when we finished school we both had really big aspirations but we didn't really know where to begin with them and we kind of I don't know maybe I'm speaking out of turn and speaking on behalf of you but no. I felt personally that like I was kind of ended up in these jobs that wasn't really yeah um nourishing (laughs) me or inspiring me and well we both worked at your dad's pub for a bit but you left quite quickly and then you went on to work at an estate agent Mm -hmm. um and I'm just wondering what it felt like for you at that time like did you feel aware that this wasn't like really what you wanted to be putting your energy into did you feel unsatisfied and how did you address that Good question. Um, so <laughs> I I guess, yeah, so we neither of us wanted to go to university because we were just kind of like over learning um, and over kind of being told what to do with literally like... I'm always happy to learn, but I did have a problem with authority. Okay, okay so I didn't want to learn anymore. I was like, I'm done. And also I don't enjoy learning things unless it's something that I really, really want to learn. So obviously I, I did apply to acting school and I, I went to Central for a day. Um, and then I was like, oh, more learning. Oh, this isn't that fun. So I think I'm going to just stop this. Yeah, I went to Central for a day. And then they, I think actually it was the acting class that I did on my first day that just made me think. It made me think that acting school was a load of bollocks because we were having to walk around a room and like they would just shout at you, like pretend to be a tree or pretend to be like an egg or something. And I was just like, I think maybe at that stage of my life, I was way too kind of proud to kind of almost be silly and stupid. And I was like, yeah, I'm not doing this. This is really dumb. Um, so quit. And then my main concern just became about earning money. How am I going to do it? I tried so many different things. I remember mm. actually, because I'm a lazy soul, 
signing up for this thing online. This is so, I've ne- I don't think I've ever told anyone this, um, which was like, um, you take quizzes as, you take surveys and you make money. Oh, yeah. And I was doing that for maybe a week. And I thought it's so easy because I can just sit in my room and do it and like dip in and out. But you earn like a certain amount of pence per survey (laughs) and the surveys take you about 20 minutes so it ended up I did that for about a week and I think I made about 30 pounds it was ridiculous Um, and I think I remember just being like this is hell I can't do this um working for my dad was a really easy option obviously at that age of the you know being 18 um working in a pub doesn't seem like that bad it's anyone can really do it you know you've just got to kind of have really basic skills to do it so um it just seemed like a really easy option and I think it was probably one of the hardest I don't know about you but one of the hardest jobs I've ever done in my life um just because you're on your feet so much yeah non-stop moving you are serving you know sometimes really rude people sometimes misogynistic people yeah you have to be on all the time it really is just you're put in a position that is really uncomfortable sometimes so probably the hardest job I've ever done um really minimal money and I have a huge amount of respect for people that that do do it full time Mm. um and yeah then went into a state agency and I I remember feeling very lost you know because you're not you're not doing something that you really enjoy and you're not doing what you thought you would be doing so I thought I would be an actress I thought I'd be on television and I was kind of like you know you feel kind of empty because you're like I'm doing this purely for money and I'm not gaining anything out of this other than money and you know the you'll have the occasional good day where you're like okay this was a really good day and I had fun and I laughed and I felt like I achieved something but it's few and far between when you're doing something that you really don't enjoy so um it's not nourishing no so then what went through your mind when you were invited on to Made in Chelsea? Because that was while you were still working the estate agent, right? Okay, so yeah, I was actually, I'd quit the estate agency to, to pursue acting, which I did for like a few months. And then I I was unsuccessful. Um, I didn't have an agent or anything like that. And it was it was very time consuming and very disappointing. So I ended up going into advertising. Um so I decided that that was something that I really wanted to do and it seemed like a fun job and I love being creative and, you know, there's an act, acting element to it. Not that I would be the one in front of the screen, but, you know, just there's, there's so many other parts of it that were interesting. So I started off at front of house in an acting, in a, a advertising agency and then I did that for, I think, a year and a half and then I was like, okay, no, I'm not enjoying this either. Um, and also a- advertising, like... People are there from 8 a.m. until midnight. Like, it yeah. it was extremely unsociable hours, and it wasn't all kind of the fun that I thought it would be, and I don't think I really knew as much as I did thought I did about it. Um, and then I quit that and, and decided again, and I told everyone there, because I knew everyone because I was front of house, and I knew everyone, and I said, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit and pursue acting. And they were all like, wow, really? <laughs> And um, they said, well, good luck. Um, oh, and loads, of, loads of people tried to convince me not to do it um, because they just said, you know, it's just not that easy. And, you know, if you can continue working your way up here, you could really get a good job and, you know, you've got so much potential, this kind of thing. But I just was like, I really just, I can't do this, guys. So quit and pursued acting again, was getting on the tube every day up from 
was I in Surrey at that point or was I in Barnes? And oh, no, I was in Barnes. It's getting the tube from Barnes and going to audition after audition after audition, really with no clue what I was doing, um, spending all my money on travel. And um, then I randomly got this, this um, message from Maiden Chelsea and I was like, this can't be real. Like this, I just, I kind of thought it was a prank yeah. um, because it was on Facebook. And I just yeah. thought, there's no way in hell, like they would contact me on Facebook. That's not professional in any way. Um, and yeah, so I, I did that and I thought, okay, I'll give it a go and see. I think Carly um, had actually spoken to them because she got the same message as me and she'd actually spoken to them and, and she'd found out it was legit. So when I spoke to her, I was like, okay, this is legit. Let's do it. I was really anxious about it, but also, I guess, didn't really believe it. <laughs> yeah, I guess if you've been trying so hard <clears throat> with dead ends to get on TV and then it just comes and like lands on your lap. Yeah, it didn't feel real. Did, um, and then did the experience fulfill your expectations or were there any moments when you felt that you were like having sort of to defy your truth in order to make good TV? Oh, what, the whole filming experience in general? Yeah. So um, I guess I knew what it was going into it. And from the beginning, I think one of the main producers said to me, look, no pressure, but if you don't sort of cause a scene or if you don't make an impact, um, this this will end very quickly for you. And I think I thought, okay, because... Suddenly I had like my dream job, not exactly my dream because I'd never, I had always kind of thought, nah, reality TV isn't like the best way to go. It's like an easy route or whatever. And acting was like what I'd always wanted to do. And it didn't seem like exactly what I wanted, but it was also definitely like 90% of the way there. So I was like, oh my God, this could just be ripped out from under me in a heartbeat. And um I think I definitely took on like a role, which is mm. kind of like an aspect of my personality, but it's an aspect of my personality that's like probably 10% and doesn't really come out that often. Um, so, and I just kind of took that on full time and then I kind of knew what I was doing in certain situations. Like I definitely compromised on my morals in certain situations to make good TV and uh, I guess in that respect, I saw it as an acting role. Um, mm. But you forget that everyone watching it doesn't see it like that. And they think of it as like real life. Yeah. So I quickly kind of morphed into more of a real version of myself. After a few series, I was much more like myself, yeah. um, but definitely at a heightened level. Yeah, uh, yeah that makes sense. Um... I mean, I'm, you said that when you watched it, you were like... Well, I would say that to people when when people that didn't know you but knew me realised that you and I were friends and they were fans of the show, um, yeah. they would all give me this sort of review of you. And yeah. um, I remember a lot of the time saying, yes, there is a part of Lucy that is like that, but it is a, it's one part and she's all these other things, just like you and I have a spectrum of components that make who we are as a person mm -hmm. I was like you're only seeing one bit and of course yeah. she's gonna like act up to the cameras who wouldn't yeah. um but okay. I did I did find it really cool when I was in Australia it was actually 
it might have even been when you'd finished the show but people were watching reruns or it was shown later in Oz and yeah quite a few um girls that I became friends with from all different parts of my life so like one girl was from Manchester and I met her in the hostel I was living in another girl was um an Australian artist that I met at art school and they're like each like even just those two as an example they were so different from each other and so different from you and they loved you or love oh. you to this like degree where they were fangirling so hard to me and this girl was like me and my best friend sort of model our attitude off off of Lucy's like I don't give a fuck attitude <laughs> like <laughs> they viewed you as this little queen bee and it was I really enjoyed that feedback that was fun <laughs> yeah I mean I love that feedback and and I remember the first time I saw you as a meme and I <laughs> seeing your best friend as a meme is just like the craziest moment I know and like I still see myself as a meme to this day and I love it but yeah it's it was um it's yeah it was interesting to hear like what kind of what people would say to you and and to sort of um get that outside perspective I guess without just getting like the tweets and everything yeah although it's quite bold of people just to sort of give their opinion I was like I know she's on tv but she's still a real person that's my friend so but people forget that they definitely forget that um and I think back then especially as it was like one of few reality shows I think it was even more sort of not far-fetched but like far removed from like real life and I think people just yeah just were much more disconnected than they are now where I think that people have so much access to like just people in general on tv and um they can might maybe sort of see now that it's like a real person I think also people couldn't quite figure out how scripted because they call it scripted reality and they couldn't they wanted to understand the level that it was sort of orchestrated and what was real and so I think they got um forgetful that yes you're all all human beings at the end of the day um I remember as well a scene where you were on a date and I'm pretty sure you had to refuse the food because you were vegetarian and they hadn't catered for your dietary requirements yeah um, Yes, that, that did was happen. Andy. Yes, at his yeah. place. Yeah, that was really awkward. It was just interesting that, like, I mean, obviously you weren't going to eat meat just to smooth over I the mean, no. episode. But also, it made he, me... I had been dating him. So I had been dating him for, like, I don't know, a few weeks or whatever. And we had many, many, many conversations about the fact that I was vegetarian. So when I'd arrived at the scene and he was I really offended and... I think that's just maybe one of the many reasons why like that didn't really work out. Um, but um, yeah, I think when I arrived at the scene and he was cooking, this is before we even started filming. I actually said like, oh, what are you making? And, and he said, oh, chicken, whatever. And I was like, and we had to redo it because the show thought it was really funny. So they were like, can you actually put that into the scene? Obviously it was I... funny at my the, the expense of my beliefs. But, um, but yeah at least I got to talk about vegetarian on, on tv vegetarianism oh that was going to lead me on to my next question of how far into your life in the public eye did you start prioritizing your advocacy for animal rights so it started from from day one so as soon as I started if I could talk about vegetarianism more I would have but obviously it's not it wasn't something that like they wanted to talk about I never wore you know fur or anything like that um 
I on television, which was something that all the girls were wear fur, and I would never ever wear fur, even though it was offered to me like regularly. I would just never ever do it. Um, and you know, as soon as I started getting work come in, there were definitely a lot of um jobs that would come through for brands that and back then I was vegetarian and I didn't wear fur and I didn't use products that were tested on animals so those were the kind of three staple things that I stuck by um obviously that increased as time went on but I would have so many jobs come through for um brands that would would test on animals and I just you know from day one would just be like I just can't I just can't do it. I've got I've got to set the standard now. Um, this is not something that I'm prepared to compromise on. And if it means me getting less money, then fine. But yeah. Did, and did you find it hard at all to turn it down or did it just seem? Um, my agency and I had conversations about it back and forth. You know, obviously um, they totally respected my views, but at the same time, like big money. I think probably the biggest money um that I've sort of been offered because those brands are sometimes like the most established um and potentially have like the most the most money and also the most well known so the the association would be like huge and I think we had conversations back and forth sort of talking about the pros and cons and it always came back to I can't compromise on my morals and I can't um you know take money from a company that that practices this kind of um behavior testing animals mm. and stuff so so yeah definitely back and forth back and forth for, for, for sometimes weeks um because it's life-changing money yeah but it's just not it's just not worth it and I'm, I'm glad that I did that from day one because now I feel like it's there's like a longevity to what I do and and I think I have that sort of genuine people know now that I don't work with that kind of stuff so and you can feel proud that you never had to um sort of waver your beliefs even at the start of your career which is awesome yeah I think there have definitely been decisions that I've made that have involved um working with products that 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 do have animal cruelty but that's just because that was where I was at right then with my morals and those have totally like changed over the years. Um, and I think it's just all down to education really. But yeah. I've always kind of not, I've not knowingly tried to to work with stuff that has been um, in my mind cruel. Yeah. I um when I was still working in fashion, I, I worked in fashion PR as you know, and um, yeah. there was a time when I was, I was really junior still and I got offered the most prestigious fashion account um, at the agency. They like, I remember the boss coming over and asking if I would, if I would, would like to join the account. I remember this. And yeah. I was so flattered because I've been trying to sort of get noticed and I struggled at the start of my job in Oz. Um, and I finally got, yeah, kind of this recognition with this offer and I turned it down because they still do a couture fur show every year. And so while the other brands I looked for, I mean, one is a famous leather brand. Um, a couple others had like the odd item of fur, but I couldn't turn down all of it. Otherwise I'd be fired. Yeah. Um, but this yeah. one just felt like it was that step too far that it was, yeah, it just didn't, it didn't sit right with me. And I wasn't, I wasn't the only one. I actually 
reached out to a work mentor of mine and he had done the same thing and kind of encouraged me and helped me compose the email um so there are other people out there you know doing fighting the good fight and I always really draw inspiration from people like him and and watching you hold on to your integrity it's it's really amazing to see and sort of keeps other people going this is a little deep but bear with me so I kind of view every choice that we have and we've just talking talking <laughs> spoken about some um you know quite important choices that you and I have made in in our careers and I believe as yes. humans that this choice can always just be broken down between love and fear and every feeling every decision making opportunity can be stripped back and stripped back to this one choice so when we choose love it's often actually the more frightening option because we have to sort of be brave and step into our light and live up to our authentic selves and you know choosing the fearful option you can sort of defy that and take the easy route but um I think if we do choose love then not only do we we win we succeed and we thrive and we can achieve the goal of being who we were meant to be and hopefully who that aligns with who we want to be and I yes. would definitely say I've witnessed this happen in your life. And as I said, you know, it's been so inspiring. Um, and Thank it's you. kind of a good motivation as well as your friend to sort of see you do that and want to step up for myself too. But you've never seemingly from the outside struggled with being authentic. Even, you know, we talked about on Made in Chelsea and it did only show specific parts of your personality, but I still feel like you did maintain your integrity and you stood your ground. And I think that's why lots of women really were drawn to you. Um, But have you found it easy to stay authentic or am I misreading it? Have you ever been tempted to simplify your true self? Super interesting question again. um, It's... I don't know. I don't know if I've ever thought about it. I don't know if I even think about that when I'm making a decision. I don't think I think too much. And I think that's why I kind of sometimes just, yeah, maybe it comes down to that really. Um, The thinking, if you're overthinking it too much, then you start to get fearful. Um, Whereas if you actually just do what's in your gut and what feels right in the moment, you end up making those more genuine decisions. Mm. Okay, I'm going to quote a book that I'm reading at the moment by a guy called Neil Mm -hmm. Walsh. Um, It's very spiritual, so hang in there. Love that. Love that. So he says, the more you are, the more you can become. And the more you become, the more you can yet be. The deepest secret is that life is not a process of discovery but a process of creation. And you have created a platform where you can literally reach over a million people and create discourse about the way we've been conditioned to think about using and eating animal products. And it's been so wonderful to watch that develop. And from an outside perspective, it appears to me that you aligned your desire, which was, you know, you always wanted to be on TV. And I suppose you were doing the influencer thing before it was even a term. And your calling, which is to protect and speak on behalf of animals who obviously can't speak for themselves. And I reckon it's when those sort of those two parts aligned, your goals and your beliefs, that your career went to that next level and you really were able to build that platform. 
Wow. Um, yeah, I guess so. I guess in terms of like, I mean, there's definitely an element of luck in there as well that I just can't ignore. So I think that the whole being invited on was like probably one of the luckiest things that's ever happened to me. And there are so many elements that come into that, you know, the family that I was born into, um, the area that I lived in, maybe even the way I looked, you know, all these kind of things played into that decision that I probably had nothing nothing to do with um, myself or could have had any much, con- you know, control over it. Um, you know, that from, t- from accepting that decision to do it and moving forward, I guess that was all me. Um, and I've made the best of a really, really, really good situation that I possibly could have. And I think, you know, I've really tried to make the most out of it. Um, and maybe some people, maybe some people don't. Well, um, I think the proof is in the pudding because now you are the best-selling author of two incredible vegan cookbooks. You and your sister Tiffany ran a beautiful vegan restaurant for over a year. You have a knockout vegan food range available in Waitrose and Tesco. I actually had the curry last night. Thank you. Um, A beautiful jewelry range, absolutely called Creature. And obviously not biased at all, but you are one of my favorite influencers because because you have the most integrity. Um, So I'd say you smashed it. You grabbed that opportunity with both hands and really... You know what I will say though, I, I, I will say that like, yes, that, you know, a lot of those decisions have been, have been me and, and, you know, whatever, but I've also had a really good support system around me. And I think if I didn't have that, I don't know if I would be where I am today because, you know, with my friends, for example, I've always had really honest friends who have actually been able to put me in my place at times because I I went through a phase where I wasn't actually that nice. And uh, I got into a, a position where I was stressed all the time. I, you know, was constantly running around like a crazy person. And I think I got a little bit arrogant as well. You know, like I was on TV, became famous overnight. Um, you know, everywhere I went, people recognized me and, you know, I got all these followers. I put a picture of the, you know, like mac and cheese and I get like 20,000 likes. And it was just like, you know, it was just happening so fast. I think the arrogance did take over. I was getting paid to go and like take photos with people, mm. you know? So I think I'm lucky that I had friends that could sort of say, actually, you're not, you're being quite rude or, you know, just say like, yeah, I don't know. You're not really being yourself, you know? Like, Did I ever say anything like that? I think if I asked you, you would tell me the truth. No, I would. But I don't think I, I don't know. I don't think you'd ever like say it. Like, Han, you're being rude. But maybe, no, but maybe I would get that impression from like the way you were looking at me or okay. like the way, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then I would ask the question and then I would get the answer. And just having friends that are honest is like a really, really valuable thing. Um, and also my family, you know my mom is like my biggest fan and she has always said to me from day one you can do whatever you want to do and having someone like that in your life really really lifts you up and gives you the confidence into thinking that you are kind of invincible and that you will just get whatever you want and if you put your mind to it you'll get it and that I think has so much more power than we actually think no like someone telling you that from your from the day you're born it can make you do incredible things because that self-confidence that reassurance 
that belief in in you that you have from your family is is something that you just can't you can't buy you you just can't get it um unless it's actually been given to you and like obviously my dad um had an extremely um great work ethic and he set a really amazing example for me as for what a businessman or business person should be and and how to be successful so I can't put everything down to myself I just gotta just say that now um I'm really lucky to have friends like you and have my family um and I think that maybe people in this position if they didn't have those those kind of attributes to their life maybe wouldn't um get as far yeah yeah and I think it it's even um more special that you had that support system in the sort of private part of your life because being in the public eye is not always the safest place. I don't just mean no. your physical health, I mean your mental health. Like, Oh yeah, they can spiral like, really quickly. On the first episode. Yeah. Like that's insane that we've gotten to a place as a society where it feels appropriate to try and scare someone like that. Yeah. And if you didn't have family around you, like my mum would always be like, you're amazing. Don't care what people say. Like you, you know, you do you, honey, (laughs) kind of thing. But if if you had a family that was shameful and that turned around and said, actually, what you did there was wrong and I'm really embarrassed of you or something like that, you could spiral really, really quickly. Um, and that's what people don't know when they're sending those messages. And I've always been able to deal with them really easily because of the, the support system that I have. Um, and of, you know, just the mindset that I have and con- confidence that I have. But not everyone has that. Yeah. And that's why it's such, such a dangerous, dangerous tool. So did, were you ever scared when you started discussing animal rights more publicly and like when you were talking about your veganism? Yeah. You were? Yeah. Because I feel like every oh, man and their dog has an opinion on vegans it's like the yeah. most controversial thing you can be which is so strange and this is not going to change like people are going to continue with their habits um eating what they want to eat and not caring or thinking about where their food comes from unless people start talking about it and I just thought I'm, I'm gonna have to be that person I'm gonna have to take one for the team and it will pay off in years to come I don't know when it's going to be at the detriment of my earnings it's going to be at the detriment of my following you know I still lose followers every time I post about veganism or something to do with animal cruelty which is odd because you um, think they know that by being on your page <laughs> I know, but sometimes I think it's just one thing. It's just one thing too much. Like I'll get oh, a message okay. from someone being like, you know what? I really like you. I'm not vegan, but I actually just can't see it anymore. So bye. And, and, and that's fine. That's totally fine. And I'm, I, I just don't regret it um, at all. I have so much in my life to be grateful for. So, um, and you know, since then we've, we've seen so many people come out and talk about veganism you know, like on a much stronger level and it's it's just going around. I'm not saying because of me, by the way, in case that sounded like that. Um, but I'm just saying that it's that it's it's you know, I'm I'm proud to be one of those people. So yeah. What is the most common negative comment that you still get from trolls? And how do you rise above them? Um so I get a lot of people saying <laughs> stuff like um you stuff about my face so being like your face you look so fake and all this kind of thing um which 
isn't the best um and it's kind of I've had it like for a while I think since I lost a lot of weight I went through a phase where I was a bit a little bit bigger um and don't get me wrong I have experimented with things but um I think you know it's it gets a bit out of hand sometimes and people really go to town plus I think that you know my makeup skills have changed yeah, just yeah, yeah. even just the way I the way I take photos has changed my filter ability has changed like and I think that like yeah the comments can get a little bit out of hand sometimes that's probably one of the main things I get um and then obviously I do also get people you know farmers and things like that mm. who will um go to town on me for trying to ruin their business or whatever it is and then I'll get people that will just literally send me pictures of dead dead body parts and, and be like young oh. so that's fun um what else do I get um one of the other things they get is the skinny shaming which really freaking is weird I don't get that. I went through a phase where I was really thin when I first went vegan. Um, and I, I, I will hold my hands up and say I probably looked unhealthy. But now I, I don't understand why I still get comments like that. Um, I think people just like to hate, don't they? Yeah, um, and I think it takes different things for different people to be a different to be the same size. Like you have yeah. always been. I mean, yeah, maybe you had a little more weight on you um when we were in our early 20s but generally you've been a very petite person always I think people have this complex about small bodies because for some people they have to go to unhealthy measures to get that shape Mm -hmm. because they're all different you know but the body shaming has got to stop you know whether it's skinny fat whatever it may be I just it's just trolling in general it's a shame I'm not even on tv anymore and I still get trolled daily so it's really I I feel for the people that are on tv or in their peak of their career that are getting it like in huge amounts well this kind of brings us on to something that you and I have talked about a lot personally and it's the be kind movement on social media because there are so many different difficult things that we all deal with on a daily basis every single one of us so why we can't just try and make the load a little bit lighter and be kind and pay that kindness forward when we receive it I mean I bet you just see the worst of it with such a huge following online I think people are so hypocritical because they will jump on this bandwagon be kind be kind everyone hashtag be kind um you don't know what someone's going through like you know whatever and people really just jump on it because it's a trend and they don't actually even know what they're writing um or even think about it for two seconds because two weeks later they'll be they'll be trolling someone and um I think there's so much about the be kind movement that I love but there's so much about it that I hate because of the hypocrisy and um the way that people just don't follow through so I wish that I wish that the, the kind of the laws and the government would step in a little bit more with that. And um, I think, you know, just making stuff more just illegal, essentially. Why is it OK for someone to d- write death threats or, you know, there should be there just should be more rules around it. Like you should have to, I don't know, have a passport or something with your um when you sign up so that when you write something abusive to someone you get your account taken away you can't make a new one because you don't have another passport um you know everyone's making all these fake accounts these trolling accounts shouldn't be allowed okay let's move on to something a bit more positive 
what okay. is your ultimate goal in terms of your work for the animals? Um, I have so many. I mean, there are like, obviously, I hope that veganism will become a majority in terms of the world, um, especially the Western world, because I think that it's something that we have much more access to and, um, you know, have more knowledge about. So I hope that that will become a majority at some point. Um, and I don't know if I will live to see it, but I, I genuinely believe, actually, you know what? I think I will live to see it. And I don't know if it will be because people choose to do that or because the government, again, step in and say, you know, we have to make these these items less accessible to people. They're not only destroying people's health, but the planet. And, you know, they are cruel, all these kind of things. So I, I do, that is my main, main goal. Um, obviously, I hope that animal testing will be banned um globally um it's you know we've still got so long to go with that and I I think that people still forget about it um to this day it's it's such a huge issue that we mm. don't see in the media enough and I hope that I guess these issues will get more media attention yeah um I think recently they have been and I think veganism is definitely in the media more and like stuff like that, but not necessarily for the right reasons. So I hope that animal cruelty will be more accessible to the public and people will see actually what is going on. Um, what else? I mean, I worked on a huge campaign a few years ago to ban fur from London Fashion Week and that happened. And I didn't oh. think it would happen as quickly as it did. And I have high hopes for everything, like in terms of animal cruelty. I just don't think anything's impossible. So um, we will see. That. Yeah. Do you set goals for yourself? Like, is that, do you feel what you've achieved so far is because you've set your sights on it? Obviously, we talked about the luck with Maiden Chelsea, but the other stuff. Um, do I set goals? Um loosely loosely I could probably be a little bit more firm with those and I think a lot of the time it's things that kind of come my way and then I make decisions based on that but there's definitely I've just that's one thing I've sort of decided out of lockdown actually is that I want to set myself more goals and stick to them because sometimes mm -hmm. I get a bit lost in everything that's going on that I just kind of like go with it and then I'm like okay I'm doing this now all right I'm doing this yeah so um yeah and I think as well with the animal activism like it's it can sometimes be if someone comes my way and says oh this is an issue let's focus on this that I'll do it rather than like I decide that I'm going to tackle something and because there's so many issues you know from fur to animal testing to the meat industry to poaching to you know dog meat farms whatever it may be there's so many things that it's hard to kind of like focus prioritize any of them so maybe I should have more goals in terms of that but um yeah yeah I mean, it's interesting to hear because I always view, viewed you as someone that's extremely driven but I don't think we've ever talked about our goals before maybe that's like yeah sort of thing where we just don't feel comfortable saying what we want to achieve they are loose they're not they're not set in stone um and they change as well so I think that's maybe why but I th I do I do admire people I don't know I feel like you're one of those these people actually that wake up in the morning get their notepad out <laughs> and be like these are my goals for the day or whatever yeah like I I I really admire people like that because I can see how that can give your day a lot of structure or your week or whatever and really just help motivate you um but I haven't I've yet to start doing that are you one of those people 
Yeah, I am. And I I, yeah. I have like major goals that I want to achieve sort of, you know, for the year as well. Um, but I just think it's interesting that we don't really, I don't feel like we, not just me and you, but us generally, um, talk about it. And I think it's because, we're, well, for me, I'll speak for myself, there's a fear around if I say it out loud and it doesn't come true, it's like a public failing. And yep. I, I've got a friend um, who we kind of act as each other's creativity accountability buddies. And one of the things that he makes me do is owning the fact that I'm a writer. So rather than being like, oh, I enjoy writing, but I've never been published, yeah. blah, 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 I just have to own it and say, I'm a writer. Because yes. you only have to write to be a writer. Love that. It's not about whether you're published oh, or yeah, how 100%. successful you are. And I write every week. Yeah. So I, I And you only have to be, you know, active on a level to be an activist. You don't have yeah. to be the most active person in the world to be an activist, but you yeah. have to be someone that is is active. So yeah, I to- I totally agree with you. Um and maybe yeah, you're right. Maybe we don't talk about it because and sometimes also it can feel a little bit like, I guess, showy-offy with certain things. You're like, oh, this is my goal. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's just, it can sometimes feel a little bit like competitive. Yeah. Um, but maybe we should talk about it more. I guess for me, if any of my friends ever want to talk about that kind of thing, like I'm just here ready and waiting, like yeah. talk to me, you know, Same. tell me about it. Um, and I And I think they are as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And seeing your journey has shown me that really anything is possible. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So for people listening that are afraid to step out of their comfort zone and be bold um, to follow their dreams in the way that you have, what would be your advice to them? How do they get going? Um, So my advice would be to just, I guess, picture what it is that you want to do um, and just like let it happen um it's so weird but once you kind of decide I I what I like to do is I think you once read this book called The Secret and I think you told me about it and I and I it was something that I already do anyway where you tell yourself I not I want this to happen this is going to happen yeah and it will happen and and never give up because as soon as you start believing something will happen, it, it's so crazy how much it can actually just happen. Yeah. And it's it may take a little bit longer with some things than other things, but it does happen and you have to just believe it. Um, so I guess believe in yourself and realize that um, you can really do anything that you want if you, if you try hard enough. And um, I guess... I don't know once you've decided what it is that you want to do you've got to you've got to you've got to put the work in um to making that happen nothing comes that easy I know I was super lucky with the with the Made in Chelsea thing but if it hadn't been Made in Chelsea I would have continued trying Mm -hmm. and trying and trying with acting and I would have made it happen so yeah you've just got to do what it takes and never give up on that and don't let yourself get into a routine of just doing something for the sake of making money you only have one life it can be over tomorrow you could run out of your house and get hit by a car like you've just got to live each day as if it were your last and really do you ever want to get to the point where you're 60 years old and you look back and think I didn't do that and why didn't I do that why didn't I even try why didn't I give it my hardest shot to make it happen because 
what the hell is the point in that? Okay, that was really deep. <laughs> I, I love that. I'm going to play that back to myself. Um, <laughs> I, I, I always want to like get angry at you and be like, you fucking do it. You know, you just want to like shout at someone and be like, you can do this. Believe in yourself. Like you, you, if you want it hard enough, like you can do it. Yeah, I, I mean, figure out what it is that you want, and I think that's the hardest thing for some people is actually figuring out what it is that they want. Um, but once you figure it out, you just you just go for it. And there's no shame in changing your mind either um, along no. the way. But I, I mean, look, I'm all for the um, manifestation which you just talked about. It's like 100. percent mm-hmm. I live my life by that. But I find it really interesting that even myself who I consider myself to be very confident these days and yes very driven and like certain about what I want to achieve I honestly nearly didn't do the podcast which is something I've been thinking about doing for so long and yeah. it's something I love which is basically talking to interesting people about interesting subjects and it's something I'm lucky enough to do each day anyway yes. so, but I nearly didn't do it because I had this voice in my head and it was the voice of these bullies I met at uni, which was almost, mm-hmm. I mean, like nine years ago. I don't even know these people anymore. I don't, I don't know where they live. I don't know what they're doing. I don't hear from them. Um, I know nothing about them. So why is their voice like re- in my mind ready to sort of trip me up and stop me? That's normal me? though. That's, it's, that's, it's crazy. It's crazy how much just one person's opinion can affect the way that you think. And, that negative sort of like perspective can kind of stay with you. It's, it's really crazy. Um, and that's why I think your parents are so important and how they kind of like support you and tell you that you can do whatever it is that you want to do. Um, because obviously anyone's opinion can affect you, let alone the people closest to you. Um, however, you've just got to work on, I guess, removing them from your brain and just thinking it's not about you. It's not about your opinion because you're not me and you don't know what I want and you don't know what I'm capable of. So I'm so proud of you for doing it because I know that it is something that you've thought about for a long time. And, you know, whether it's the most successful podcast in the world or not, you know, you're doing something that you absolutely love and who who should go through life not doing that? You know, mm-hmm. you will always look back and think, why didn't I do that? It's something yeah. I really enjoy and that I'm really good at. Yeah. So why why didn't I ever give that a go? And I'm, you know, super, super proud of you. And I think you're you're amazing at it. So Thank well you. done you. Um, Joe Wicks, the body coach, he always says that he's a 10-year overnight success, which I think is so great because I guess also one of the things that would hold me back is like if only two people listen, I would feel like it was a, a failure. But actually it will build how he kept persevering, even though like sometimes no one would show up to his boot camp and stuff. And I think that really helped me with I remember when he had his boot camp. Yeah. He did Did it. we did we ever go? We went to Fraser's, but they were this they were the same oh, okay. thing. Yeah. Um yeah. just Joe's was in Richmond. And um And he just kept at it and look at him now. Yeah, exactly. And I it's really good for me to hear that because I, I think I was scared that like if only two people listen to my podcast, like my mum and my boyfriend that that's, it would be but that's, a two, that's two people that you have potentially inspired yeah exactly and, and it will grow that's huge. like it's not going to happen yes. overnight where it's like you know no and I think that it's amazing because I think I think you should talk about this more because it's it's something that so many people can relate to and um you know so many people would give something a go and then see not much of an impact and just think okay that's the end of that 
but it takes time mm-hmm. and sticking with something is, is all you have to do if you really really believe in yourself you will put that time and effort into gaining exactly what you want in life and that is priceless so you know well, however much time you have to put into it you've just got to do it yeah totally agree um on that basis I'm feeling quite excited about turning 30 you know coming up ah! soon. <laughs> I just feel like I'm really stepped into a good place with my self-worth and there's more of this to come in my 30s and I say bring it on um, I think that like with your 30s people always say to me and I, I think I used to be really scared and think of it as like really really old but actually so many people have said to me your 30s are your best years because you have been through your 20s which are crazy and you're up and down discover you know self-discovery and once you get to 30 you've you've been through so much you know yourself you know what you want you don't waste your time on things that 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 don't bring something to your life mm-hmm. like you know what you want and and how exciting is that to go into a whole new kind of like age bracket of of that you know doing what you did the last 10 years but with so much more um direction and, and self-assurance and everything it's just it's it, it, it can't be bad <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be great I'm excited it's gonna be great um and speaking of that journey I just thought I would touch on something outside of the career and vegan conversation because we've been friends for so long and yes. I'm happy to be honest about my struggles with addiction on here but it means that you've, poor you've, had to witness a lot of my destructive behaviours of many kinds. And yeah, I just want to commend your strength of your own identity and strength of self-worth. That if someone wrongs you in a certain way, you are able to completely walk away and end that channel. For example, if a boyfriend fucked you over. But equally, mm-hmm. you were able to separate how I was behaving towards you from you. So you could tell that it was... It wasn't actually about you. It was about me being Mm self-destructive. And so you didn't desert me. You stood by me. And when I got sober, you were the first person I told from back home outside of my family because I felt like, I just felt like my commitment to get myself better was also acted as an apology to you. Um, What? Well, I just, you know, like, as in if you, if someone says sorry, but they keep on behaving the same way, it negates the, the impact of their apology. But if someone makes a change in their behavior, it shows that they really mean it. No, that's amazing. I never knew that. And like, obviously, I'm so grateful that you did for for you on your behalf. Um, and if that helped motivate you, then, then that's amazing. But I always knew, I always, I could tell the difference between, I think what, what you're trying to say is, I could tell the difference between the real you and the you that was an addict and they were two different people um, that were merged into one and sometimes one was more overpowering than the other and I think with relationships it, it was being able to tell who that real person actually is um is it the person that I want them to be or is it the person that they actually are Mm. that I'm never going to be able to change so with you it was addiction that was um controlling your your sort of I guess your bad side um and I couldn't I couldn't as much as I was disappointed and um it was upsetting and it was very hard to watch it's I couldn't not be friends with you because 
I knew that wasn't the real you. Yeah. Um, and I'm just, you know, I'm so pleased that you decided on your own to to completely take control of that situation. I don't think it's anything that anyone could have ever made you do. Um, so I'm just happy that you managed to do it as as quickly as as you did. Yeah, I mean, my brother tried to say something to me, and I just told him where to go. So <laughs> yeah, I wasn't ready. <laughs> It probably pushes people like the other way as well. It, when you, you might even be getting so close to wanting to do it yourself, and then someone will say, "You really need to do this," and you'll be like, "Fuck off! I'm not doing it." Bye. Yeah. I so, mean, yeah. His comment played in my mind as I was gearing up to do it. Like when I was ready, I was like, I could hear him saying that he was worried about me and stuff, and it did help me sort of at that very beginning stage because it was it was scary. <laughs> yeah um, but you did so well and I'm so proud of you thank so you, thank you it does mean a lot to me thank you um so speaking of what you just said about with relationships how do you tell the difference when you should walk away or when you should stick by and persevere with I think it's totally unique to everyone's situation and of course everyone has their own standards of what they are willing to put up with and allow in their life Um, But I guess for me, it was when I know that no relationship is perfect. And that can sometimes fuck with you because when you're in a relationship Mm -hmm. where it's maybe not right for you and you tell yourself no relationship is perfect, you can almost start using it as an excuse. Um, So make sure you don't do that. But also I think you've, it's totally a pattern of behavior that you've got to, you've just got to not ignore. And also you've got to um, think about whether you're happy so you know for me it would get to the point where I was you know happy maybe 30% of the time and 70% of the time I was unhappy and it wasn't I wasn't unhappy because I was just unhappy I was unhappy because someone was making me unhappy Mm. so you've got to you've got to kind of allow for them to make you unhappy sometimes because that will happen but it can't be like the overbearing percent and that's a very mathematical way of looking at it. But um, it really did just come. That's kind of the most easiest way I can simplify the way that I look at it. Um, you, If someone is making you unhappy, this is the one person that you have in your life that you're going to spend essentially the rest of your life with, that you're going to raise your children with, or maybe not, whatever, just like, just go through the journey of life together with. And they've got to not only be there for you and support you and be someone that you can trust and rely on, but they've also got to be your best friend. And they've also got to be someone that does bring something to your life and make you happy. And it can't be as small as 20 or 30%. It has to be like at least 60%, I think. And again, that is so mathematical. I don't know if that's just because the way my brain works, but that is the way that I see it. And if you look at yourself and you're like, focusing on those 20% times and thinking I'm so happy in that 20% that's not enough Mm. that is not enough for any human being to stick with for the rest of their life also do they treat you the way that you would want to treat them you know are they are they are they sort of giving you that level of respect and um care and if not then I don't think it's good enough Lisa baby yeah bye bye (laughs) Okay. Okay. Final questions. Are you ready? Yes. What is the first thing you do when you get up? Um, unfortunately it's, it's check my phone. Oh yeah. Same. And I'm really trying to work on that. Yeah. 
it's not good and worse in lockdown which is disappointing oh yeah 100% but I think because of that anxiety as well you just kind of want to be like is there, is there anything crazy happening today like what's <laughs> going on um okay what action feels most like prayer to you so what thing that you do makes you feel most connected to your, the best version of yourself um it's probably I don't want to use the word preaching but I think it will be something like along the lines of sharing some kind of um activism based yeah information um you know facts or footage or something like that um although I know it's shocking and I I lose followers and it pisses people off it's it's what I feel yeah best doing and yeah to answer your question what is the most audacious thing you've ever done what is the most audacious thing I've ever done Potentially when I had a farmer telling me on national television that the way that he killed his animals was humane and I fought against him and said, how, how is that humane? I questioned him and essentially um, proved him wrong. Good girl. Love that. What commitment are you going to make to yourself for this coming week? It's a chance for you to do some okay so um this week I have been focused on just my body so looking after myself because I have been eating badly um through lockdown I don't know if you've seen the amount of donut deliveries I've had (laughs) all those kind of things and I love that kind of food but it's also it's not it's not like nourishing to my body and it does make me eventually feel like shit so I'm really just focusing on making sure that I am active um and I'm putting good foods into into my body this week love it I need to take a leaf out of your book um (laughs) what was the last time you felt fearful or when sorry when was the last time you felt fearful and how did you handle it (laughs) the last time I felt fearful was when Digby was in the park and he does this a lot because he, this Digby's my dog. Digby has um, actually probably a disorder where it means that he just wants to eat everything. And to this, to the point where he actually eats clean clothes now. It's got really, oh, yeah. really bad. Yeah, really bad. And he causes me, causes me anxiety daily and I'm constantly living on edge with him. Um, and I think it was two days ago in the park when he, I couldn't see him. I didn't know where he was. And I found him eating something, which I, sh- I shan't tell you what it was, but it was in the park. Um, it was disgusting. And he was eating it in the bushes and I was fearful for his life. Um, so I just screamed. <laughs> so that probably wasn't the best, wasn't the best way to handle the situation. That's that's a situation that I really just can't seem to get a hold of. Like I just can't seem to know the best way to respond to that because every time it's so shocking and so scary. So, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I get it. Okay. Yeah. To bring you back somewhere positive. Where is your happy place? Um, I have two. So my happy place is home. Um, I love my home. I love just like I, I I find it very comfortable I find it very safe and I feel just completely myself and at ease at home um I'm a real home girl but also I absolutely love um Kefalonia just I just yeah. I mean I discovered it like a year ago but it's just 
it's a happy place for me it's just a really lovely little island in Greece and it's beautiful and it's not too built up it's not too like touristy and it's just yeah there's I can and get it birthed your baby it birthed my child yes <laughs> <laughs> okay that's it thanks man amazing that was so good thank you so happy with that yeah it was really great yeah oh my god we've been thank talking you. for so long <laughs> I know. I don't. I, okay, I wish you luck with editing this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, I'll talk to you later. Love you. Love bye. You, bye. I hope you guys enjoyed our conversation. It was so much fun to have it, and actually. I feel like we both learned a little more about each other despite being friends for all these years. Um, Lucy also reflected on the support system that she has and how powerful it's been for her. And I just wanted to add that if you don't have an especially supportive family, um, you can always find a crew that are like-minded and will help push you forward. So use the absence of that encouragement in your immediate vicinity to drive you even further forward. Get yourself into a space where success is expected of yourself and don't confuse success with money only it's part of it if you want it to be but the most important component of success in my book is feeling good about who you are and acting from a place of integrity and authenticity um but yeah guys that that's it the first interview of the Hanjam Rancho I really really hope you enjoyed it I would love to hear what particularly stood out for you what you found uh, interesting or inspiring, what you're going to commit to doing in the next week that might be a little bit more audacious than what you normally do. So please get in touch. And again, like in the last episode, I'm going to ask for three favours. One, please subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcast, to The Hanjan Ran Show. Two, come find me on Instagram and Twitter at Ran follow me get in touch i want this to be a conversation between you and me as well not just me and the guests and three would you mind terribly just sending this podcast episode to one friend that you think might enjoy the conversation that lucy and i had i think if we just each send it to one person then we can build that community and have a really fun and engaged um, group of people. So I'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in.